tonight we are going to talk about death. We are going to talk about what, everyone? Death. Can we find hope that goes beyond the grave? Well, yes, we can. We know that. But many people are there, out there are wondering what happens after death. And the reality is that we find different kinds of answer even within Christianity. Even within what group did I say? Christianity. We find different answers for that. Okay, so what really happens when you die? Tonight we want to find what kind of answers, everyone? Biblical answers, that's right. Okay, so but if you ask a Christian tonight what happens after death, you're going to hear most likely this kind of answer. You either go straight to heaven or you go straight to where? To hell. Some will say that there is an in-between place like purgatory, depending how good or bad you were. You go to purgatory first to kind of purge you of some of the evil traits, and then you go to heaven. Um, but normally, that is the answer that you find in Christianity, okay? So uh, you have some other variations like secular people. They believe once you die, that is over. There is nothing else beyond the grave. Some others, they believe that uh, you should wait until the coming of Jesus. And we are going to see tonight what the Bible actually says about that. Are the dead, what everyone? Asleep, waiting for the resurrection when Jesus comes? Or are they in heaven already? And we're going to break that down from scriptures, okay? So another question we should answer tonight is this one. We must wrestle with this question, a very key question here tonight, which is, is the soul what, everyone? Immortal. Or is there a resurrection? In other words... When God made a person, did God make that individual with an immortal soul that can never die? He will either go straight to heaven or straight to hell and spend eternity in one place or another. So we are going to discuss about that tonight. And we are going to try to find biblical answers for all of them. Where can we find answers, my friends? We know it's in the Bible. Our theme is, if it is in the Bible, what, what happens? I believe it. If it disagrees with the Bible, guess what? It's not for me. And that's what we are going to maintain tonight as well. So let's go to the book of Revelation, okay? What book are we going tonight? Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Yes. And the book of Revelation reveals Jesus as one who has authority over death. Who has what, everyone? authority over death. We are going to read Revelation 1 and verse 18. The Bible says there in verse 18 the following. I am, this is Jesus speaking, friends. I am he who lives and was what, everyone? I was dead. Now we see that Jesus resurrected from the dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And notice carefully, that's the promise. I have the keys of what, everyone? Hades and of death. Some translation says, I have the keys of hell and of death. And if you go to the Greek, to the original, the Hades here is nothing else than the grave. I have the key of the grave and of death. Friends, Jesus has overcome death. Can you say amen for that? Jesus has overcome death, and now he has the key of the grave. He has the key of death, and he has the power to break us free from the power of death. Now, here's a question for us. What does the Bible teach about the idea of the what, everyone? 
immortal soul. Let's see what the Bible teaches because that's what we want. We must go all the way to the very first book of the Bible. Let's go to the book of Genesis, everyone, tonight. And we are going to Genesis chapter 2. And I'm going to give you a formula that they created, made for mankind. Do you want to discover tonight what was the formula that God made for mankind? Yes or no? Okay, so let's see it. We are going to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. Notice carefully here we find uh, at least uh, three layers in this verse. It says here, And the Lord God formed man of the, what everyone? The dust of the ground. There we find, we find the body was made from the dust of the ground. And he breathed into his nostrils, what everyone? The breath of life. So we see here the body, you know, like that was made out of dust, coming together with the breath of life. And then, out of, uh, and then after that, that combination, what happens there? And man became a what? A living soul. That's interesting. That's interesting. The Bible doesn't say that man has a living soul, but that man became a what, everyone? A living soul after there was this combination of body and the breath of life. You know, the, 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 the power from God to give life. Notice here the combination. Elements of earth plus what, everyone? Breath is equal to a what? A living being, but uh, the Bible says living soul. Okay, so that's another term uh, to understand living soul. In other words, we are all a living what, everyone? A living soul or a living being, okay? So if you want the biblical definition of a soul, what kind of definition did I say tonight? A biblical definition of a soul, not from movies, not from Greek philosophy, not from spiritualism, none of that. If you want a biblical definition of a soul, is the combination of the body with the breath of life. Are we together? So let's go on here. Notice carefully here. A living soul means a living what, everyone? Person. Let me take you to the book of Acts. Let's go now to the New Testament. And we're going through the Bible here. Friends, it's, you know, there is a reason the book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible. And that is that to understand Revelation, you need to understand all the other books of the Bible. Okay, so the other books of the Bible is like the foundation to help us to unlock the book of Revelation. So we are in the book of Acts chapter 2, and I want to read verse 41. When the disciples, they preached the gospel under the power of the latter rain, 3,000 people gave their lives to God. How many people gave their lives to God? 3,000. I want you to see what the Bible says in verse 41. Then those who gladly received his words were baptized. And that day about 3,000, what everyone? Souls were added to them. So it says very clearly here, the Bible being consistent in their rationale here, it says that 3,000 people were baptized. But instead of using the word people, use the word what everyone? Soul, because a soul in the Bible is a combination of the body with the life force that comes from God, the breath of life. Are we together? So that's the biblical definition, friends, that I'm giving to you. So a soul is not what you see in the movies like a ghost. 
you know, having life apart from the body. We have life when we have the body plus the living force that comes from God. And then we are alive. Then we become a person. Then we become a living soul. And that's why it said that 3,000 people, 3,000 souls joined the church. It's not saying 3,000 ghosts joined the church. No, not at all. So let's go on here. I want to show you another version of the Bible. This is the New Catholic uh, Bible. It says here, those who accepted his message were baptized. And on that day, about 3,000, what everyone? People were added to their number. Okay, so it used the modern translation, which, uh, you know, the Greek manuscript used the word soul. Now, notice carefully. Another name for soul in the Bible is what? Person or life. Okay, so I'm going to give you an example now in the book of Matthew. What book are we going now? Matthew chapter 16. Let's turn our Bibles there. Matthew chapter 16, and we are going to verse 25 and 26 of the book of Matthew. Okay, so if you want to keep me accountable here, which I appreciate, making sure I'm presenting biblical message, you're welcome to go there to Matthew chapter 16. We are going to read verse 25 and 26. What verse did I say again? 25 and 26, the Bible says, this is Jesus speaking. He says these words. For whoever desire to save his, what everyone? Life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now I want you to see the words that he used in the very next verse. He will use the word soul as interchangeably with the word life. Notice carefully here. He's talking about saving your life and losing your life. You know, losing your life, but saving your life. And then in the next verse says, For what profit, it, what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own what, if you want? Soul. Or what will a man give in exchange to his soul? And if you compare to the first verse, you see that Jesus is talking about life. He's talking about life. Just go back to verse 25 again. It says, For whoever desires to save his his soul, you could say that way, will lose it. But whoever loses his soul for my sake will find it. And then he says, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his, his life? You could say that way. Or what will a man give in exchange for his, for his life? You could say that way as well because Jesus used the word life and soul interchangeably. Now, notice carefully here. What is this soul, okay, that we are talking about? Is it, what, everyone, immortal or can it ever die? Did you hear the question? You know, we became a living soul when we receive a body and the life force that comes from God, and now we became a living soul. So this living soul that we became, can it ever die or is it eternal? So let's see. Let's go to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 4. So if you want to go there, you're welcome to go there. But notice carefully what it says here. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4. The Bible says, Behold, all souls are mine, the soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who, what if you want? Sins shall shall die. So the Bible is very clear that a soul can actually, what if you want? 
die. Friends, a soul is not immortal. We are not immortal. Only one possess immortality. Any, any idea of everlasting life in reference to someone like me and you is conditional. Is what, everyone? Conditional. It's based on surrender to God and our attachment to the source of life, the one that gives the breath of life. Other, apart from God, friends, we will surely die. That's what God said in the Garden of Eden if they disobeyed Him. Notice, only God is what, everyone? Immortal. What does it mean, the word mortal and immortal? Mortal means subject to what, everyone? To death. And that's why God said, the soul that sins shall die. Immortal means what? Imperishable. The Bible never uses the terms immortal soul or immortality of the soul because a soul is not immortal. We can actually die. Notice, 1 Timothy, let's go there. I want to give you a chance to find some Bible verses here. We are going to what book, everyone? 1 Timothy. And I want to show there that the only one that possesses immortality is who, everyone? It is God. He's the only one that possesses immortality unconditionally. He is the very source of life. And God does not die, and even when Jesus, he became flesh, he needed to become flesh to give his life. The book of Hebrews says that very clearly, that he became man so that he could taste death to every man. That's what the book of, the Bible, uh, uh, the book of Hebrews says. Notice, we are in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we are going to read verse 15 and then verse 16. The Bible says, notice carefully, He who is the blessed and only, what everyone? Potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who, what is the next word? Alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable Light. That's what the Bible says about God. He alone possesses immortality. Friends, pagan Greek philosophy taught that the soul was, what if you want? Immortal. This doctrine that we in itself have immortal lives that we are going to either live eternally in heaven or eternally in hell or somewhere in between is actually a pagan concept is Greek philosophy that taught that there was life apart from the body okay so but the Bible teach the Jewish Bible the scripture the Old Testament as well as the New Testament as we're going to explore more and more tonight the Bible teaches that life is the combination of the body with the breath of life are we together now, let's continue here. We have, uh, in modern age, we have spiritualism. We have the New Age philosophies also teach that the soul is what, everyone? It's immortal, but that does not belong to the Bible, friends. I have news for you tonight. That does not belong to the Bible. When God created Adam, he placed his what, everyone? Breath within him, not an immortal soul. That wasn't what God put in in Adam. He put it his breath of life, his force given together with his body, and the two together became a living soul. Let's read it again, Genesis 2, 7. You don't need to go there, but just reviewing here quickly. And the Lord God formed men of the what, everyone? The dust of the ground. There you have the body. And breathed into his nostril the what, everyone? The breath of life. And then after that, what happened? And man became 
a living soul. So that's what is a living soul. There is no ghost in the Bible. Okay, so when you see like stories like that, I'll tell you, friends, the devil has power to deceive. And it says that he works miracles and wonders and signs to deceive, if possible, the very elect. Now, let me show you this. Um, death is what? Creation. creation in reverse. Remember, we were created out of the dust of the earth. Plus, we receive what, everyone? The breath of life. And then we became a living soul. And death is exactly the opposite. You know, the two that came together to make a living soul, they separate. Once the breath of God is separated from the body, you have what? You have death. That's death. And then the body goes back into the dust. I want to take you to the book of Ecclesiastes. Let's go there. Ecclesiastes, Old Testament, and it's after Psalms, after Proverbs. We're going to the book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible. And I want to explore a little bit there with you so we can understand more about what happens after death. So we are in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and we are going to read verse 7. Are you ready for that? I don't hear anybody saying yes, so I'll wait for a little more. Uh, so I, you can have the chance to go there. That's fine. That's okay. I just want to make sure you're there. So Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7. The Bible says, Then the, what everyone? The dust will return to the earth as it was. And the spirit will return to what everyone? God who gave it. And somebody says, See what returns to God who gave it? The Spirit. That's what it says there, right, in the Bible? And we must highlight it very clearly so you see here. But friends, I'm going to show you tonight that the word Spirit in this context is interchangeably with the word the breath of life. Are we together? I'm going to show you that tonight. But before I show you that, I want you to see here the parallel with the book of Genesis in reverse. Okay, so in the book of Genesis, we have the body coming together from the earth along with the breath of life. And then it makes a living soul. Okay, and God gave uh, uh, the breath of life. And here we have the reverse process. Okay, the dust will return to the earth as it was. And the Spirit will return to who, everyone? Just from here, you can see that the Spirit is paralleling with what, everyone? The breath of life. Just from here, you can see it. If you use your brain and you put Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7, you see that. But if that's not clear enough, I invite you to go with me to the book of Job. The book of Job is just prior to the book of? Psalms, yes, the book of Psalms. Let's go there, book of Psalms, uh, before the book of Psalms, which is the book of Job, and we're going to chapter 27. What chapter did I say, everyone? 27. We are going to read verse 3, Job chapter 27 and verse 3. We are trying to see here tonight that the word breath is paralleling with the word what? Spirit. The, the two are interchangeably when we are talking about a living being or a living soul. Notice what it says in verse 3. As long as my, what everyone? Breath is in my, it's in me, excuse me. As long as my breath is in me and the breath of God is in my, where everyone? Nostrils. Now I want to show you the King James Version. We just read the New King James. It used the word breath in both 
um, sentences. But if you understand Hebrew poetry, they always express the same thought with different words. No, notice. I'm going to quote now from the same verse from the King James Version. All the while the breath is in me, and the what, everyone? The Spirit of God is in my what? Nostrils. Don't tell me that we are talking about the Holy Spirit dwelling in my nostril. Okay, don't tell me that. Okay, please don't tell me that. You know, we must accept the fact that the Bible is very clear that the word spirit and the word breath is referring to the same thing. It's referring to the life force that God gives to the body in order to have life. Are we together? Okay, in order to the body to become a living soul. So, therefore, the spirit, the Old Testament Hebrew word for spirit is a word, I'm not sure how to pronounce, actually, maybe... Ruah, okay, so which means what, everyone? Breath, and that's what matters for us for tonight, but we saw that uh, in the translations of the Bible. Therefore, friends, the spirit or breath of life, the power of life goes back to who? To God, okay? So when uh, the two come apart, the body and the breath of life, you know, there is no more living soul. It's over. It's over. Except there is a promise of resurrection in the Bible. <laughs> okay, we have two amens. Praise God. <laughs> Any other amen out there? <laughs> I want to give you tonight an illustration here just to try. You know, this is illustrations. I understand they are not perfect, but they try to draw a point here. Let's just keep it simple. Let's think of a bulb. A what, everyone? A bulb. A bulb in itself cannot produce what? Light. It cannot. It needs to have what coming through? electricity right and when you have the two together electricity plus the bulb you have what everyone you have light okay so that's what we have okay once you take the two apart you separate the lamp from the electricity what happens with the light the light is gone and so it is with life okay life is the body plus the breath of god the breath of life, and then the two coming together, you have a living soul. Okay, very good. So let me read this to you. Since the power to create life is with who? God. His spirit, which gave life, returns to, to him. His breath that gave life returns to him. And that breath does not have thought in itself. It's not a life on itself. Apart from the body. Notice. Is there any, what everyone? Consciousness in death. And let's see what kind of answer, everyone. What, what kind of answer are we looking for? Biblical answer. Scriptural answer. I want to take you to the book of Psalms. 146. Just go to the middle of the Bible. Let's go to the book of Psalms. Chapter 146. And we are going to read verse 4. Okay, so what verse, everyone? 4 of chapter 146. We are going to the Bible to chapter 146, verse 4, to find out if there is any form of consciousness when we are dead. Okay, so I want you to see what the Bible says here. In the King James, we read the following. His breath goes forth. He returns to the, his what, everyone? His earth. So we see the separation of the breath and the body. In that very day, what happens with his thoughts? 
it perishes. Okay, so that's what the Bible says. Now I'll take you again to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9. Let's go there. Ecclesiastes, chapter 9. And we are trying to find out the same thing. Is there any, uh, you know, thought, any awareness once we go to the grave or we experience death? So let's see what the Bible has to say here. So we are going to Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, and we're going to read verse 5 and 6. The Bible says here, For the living know that they will what, everyone? Die. We all know that, you know, but the dead know how much? Nothing. Also, their, what is the next word? Love, their hatred, and their envy have now, what, everyone? Perish. If, just if, I don't believe that like that. I don't think the Bible teaches that we go straight to heaven. But let's just think of that scenario. If that was the case, that we went straight to heaven, do you think that our love would perish in heaven? Not at all. We would be grateful. You know, we would be like, you know, received by Jesus and we would be happy and, and love him even more for being there. But here it says, once you die, it's all perished. Notice in verse 10, just jump to verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your, all your mind. Why? For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Friends, death is a what, everyone? It's a sleep. That's a language that the Bible uses. Again, it's a figurative language. What kind of language did I say? figurative so don't take it too serious that death is actually a literal sleep okay but that's the language that the bible used to refer to death are we together okay so let me show that in the book of psalms if you want to jump there quickly with me to psalms chapter 13 verse 3 and i'm going to show you two verses the first one i will just read quickly the second one i want to show you from the bible so the first one is psalm 13 verse 3 notice carefully consider and hear me O lord my god enlighten my eyes lest i sleep what kind of sleep everyone the sleep of death so this is just to show you that in the bible death is represented as what everyone sleep and i want to take you to the new testament to the book of john and i want you to go there with me we're going to spend some time in this passage we're going to what book everyone john and we're going to chapter 11 okay john chapter 11 and if you remember John chapter 11, we have a story here of a man called, what everyone? Lazarus, okay? And Lazarus was a good friend of who? Of Jesus, okay? And Jesus was a good friend of his sisters as well, Martha and Mary, okay? So here we have this scenario. Jesus was traveling. Jesus was, was what everyone? Traveling with his disciples, not with Lazarus. And he heard the news that Lazarus was what everyone? That he was sick, not dead yet. He was sick, okay? So he was first sick. And Jesus, instead of going quickly to visit Lazarus to heal him and prevent him from dying, Jesus tarried long enough for Lazarus to die and stay in the grave for four days. Are we together? That's the story. And I want you to see what Jesus tells his disciples here tonight. We're going to begin in verse 11. What verse are we beginning? Verse 11, the Bible says the following. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus, what? Sleeps. But I go that I may do what? 
wake him up. Did the disciples understand what Jesus was saying? No, they didn't. Notice carefully. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. And then the next verse, however, Jesus spoke of his, what everyone? Of his death. How did Jesus refer to the death of Lazarus? Sleep. He was sleeping, okay? So he was sleeping. And he said, I'm going to go there to wake him up. What does that mean? If sleeping, sleeping means that you're dead. If you wake him up, it means that Jesus will do what? Resurrect him. Are we following? Okay, so notice the next verse. It says, Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is what, everyone? Dead. It's so amazing. Here we have the disciples. They grew up in the Jewish nation. They were supposed to understand the Old Testament scriptures. And Jesus is like, man, I'm talking about death here. You guys don't get it. What are you being reading in your home? Are you watching TV or what? Are you following? That's what Jesus is saying. Hey, guys, I'm talking about death. Now, I want you to skip um, all the way to verse 23. Because I want you to see what happens here. Because Jesus decides to go meet the family of Lazarus to do what? To wake up. Lazarus, right? To resurrect Lazarus. And he goes there. He meets uh, one of his sisters, um, Martha. And I want you to see what Jesus says. In verse 23, the Bible says, Your brother will what, everyone? Will rise again. And I want you to see what Martha actually says. But by the way, Jesus, you know, this is a memorial service, so to speak. You know, just follow here the rationale, okay? So this is a memorial service. So Jesus comes to this memorial service, the great shepherd. And, uh, and maybe, maybe he, he should have said, listen, Martha, you know, your brother is now up in heaven rejoicing in the sight of God. And comfort her, Right? He said, your brother will rise again. And then notice the answer of Martha. She understood some of the scriptures and notice what she said to Jesus. And Jesus never corrected her, although he had a special surprise for her. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again when? In the resurrection at the last day. She connected the resurrection of the dead not immediately after you die, but... When? The last day. And we've been talking about the last day, so she's talking about our days. Okay, sometime here when Jesus comes again. But notice what happened here. Jesus said to her, I am, what is the next word? This is beautiful, friend. The resurrection. Oh, have mercy. And the, and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall what, everyone? Live. And friends, if we continue to read the story, Jesus comes to the grave. And he says to roll away the rock, the stone that was there covering the entrance of the grave. They said, no, master, it's already what? Four days. It's already stinking. Don't do that. But Jesus tells them to open. And friends, you remember the story. Jesus says, Lazarus, what? Come forth. Now think with me, friends, just for a moment, for the sake of illustration here. Let's think that Lazarus had been enjoying heaven for the, the past four days. Okay? Think about that. He was enjoying heaven for the last how many days? 
Four days, because he was four days dead. Okay, so he was there up in heaven, having a bliss with the angels and with God the Father, with the Holy Spirit. And he was just enjoying, like, this is a, an amazing place. I have never seen a place like this. Inclu- incl- uh, you know, in fact, the Bible says that has never come into the heart of man what the Lord has prepared for us. And he's just, like, fascinated with this place. And then Jesus says, Lazarus, he never says, come down, but says, come forth. But let's say that Jesus said, come down. And he said, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, for the first time, I don't want to obey you. <laughs> you know, can I stay here? It's just like too good, you know, so please don't send me back. And let's say that that was happening and that Lazarus actually come back from heaven. Friends, I'll tell you, Lazarus would start a ministry to tell people about how heaven is like. Would you agree with me? But you, you hear nothing about heaven coming out of the, the mouth of Lazarus. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Do you know why? Because he was sleeping in the grave. Are, are we together tonight? Sleeping in the grave. The book of Job says in verse 21, If his sons, talking about the sons of the one that died, if his sons are what everyone? Honored, he does not know it. If they are brought, what, everyone? Low, he does not see it. Brought low, meaning that they are making terrible choices and the things bad are happening with them. You don't know. Imagine if you're in heaven, supposedly enjoying heaven, according to the common picture that people have about resurrection, have about resurrection, and you're there trying to enjoy heaven, but you keep hearing that your son is using drugs, heroin. And you hear about uh, perhaps your daughter with cancer. And you hear that they are making poor choices in life and they are divorcing. Would you be enjoying heaven? would be a torture, friends. The Bible says that we do not know what is actually happening down here. Do you know why? Because we are not up there. We are resting in the grave. We are resting in the grave. The Bible says, this is a what, everyone? A state of perfect rest or what? Sleep until the resurrection when Christ wakes you up and says, now all the sorrow is over. Friends, friends, we have promises in the Bible and I'm going to take you there tonight before we finish. We're going to see some of this promise, but we have promises in the Bible that we are going to resurrect when Jesus comes again. Would you say amen for them? I want to take you to the book of Psalms. What book are we going tonight? Psalms 115. We are going to uh, to Psalms 115. I know this topic is difficult, and perhaps I just should open a parenthesis here tonight. We see actually some people that they are already up in heaven. And I want to, I'm thinking of three of them in the Bible. Can somebody help me here? Who is the first one that went to heaven? Enoch. Did he experience death, yes or no? No, he was what, everyone? Translated up to heaven without experiencing death. What was another person that was translated up to heaven without experiencing death? Actually, Elijah. Very good. So I know you were thinking about Elijah, but he came out to Isaiah. That's fine. So Elijah. Elijah was another one. And then we have a man that actually died and was resurrected, and he is already in heaven. Who is he? 
Moses, why? It seems to be a contradiction. How come you're saying that the dead is in the grave? And we saw already tons of texts about that. And then we see Moses that died is already in heaven. And we have uh, Enoch and Elijah. I'll tell you why. That's my parenthesis here, okay? So before I close the parenthesis, let me finish the thought. God is trying to show a representation of all those that will be saved. Some will be translated up into heaven without experiencing death when Jesus comes again, like Enoch and Elijah. Some will experience death like Moses, but they will be what, everyone? Resurrected. The two groups, the two what, everyone? Groups are like tokens of the assurance of salvation. Because of Christ, Enoch and Elijah were translated without experiencing death. Because of Christ, Moses was resurrected and is in heaven. That's the token of our salvation. Are we in Psalms 115? Okay, verse 17, the Bible says, The dead, what? Do not praise the Lord, nor any who go down into what, everyone? Science. Friends, this imagery that those that died in Christ are already up in heaven praising God is not biblical. It has nothing to do with biblical. And say, why are pastors teaching that? Why are religious leaders teaching that? I'll tell you why. We talked about that a little bit yesterday. We saw that in the 4th century. What century did I say, everyone? Constantine, the Roman emperor, he converted to Christianity, so to speak, and he tried to unite the empire, pagans and Christians, and he started finding middle grounds, and the church slowly began to compromise in accepting pagan concepts into the church. If you want to know where that idea came from, it came from paganism, but not the Bible. Now, how about... Well, what about the what, everyone? The thief on the cross. And we have to deal with that. And, um, and I promise you tonight that we're going to deal with this very clearly. It will be crystal clear for you tonight. What happened there with the thieves on the cross? You remember, how many thieves were there beside Jesus when he was crucified? We have two. But one of them, he was beholding the Lamb of God and he gave his heart to Jesus and he was converted and Jesus said something to them, an assurance and promise there and apparently there is a problem here but it's just apparently, it's not really a problem. Notice carefully what it says. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly I say to you, what did Jesus say to him? Today you will be with me where? In paradise. And then we say, see? Friends, before we answer this crystal clearly tonight, let me tell you this. Let's just imagine here tonight that we had a fence. We had a what, everyone? A fence with ten poles. And you had nine poles, you know, perfectly aligned. Perfectly what, everyone? But one of them was leaning forward, okay? Think of that scene. You have two options there. You can fix the one that is leaning forward, right? To be together with the other nine. Or the second option, which I don't recommend. Okay, you can lean all the other nine. Right? Which one would you prefer? 
Okay, you want to make sure you line up uh, the one that is leaning over, right? So that's what, I, that's what I would recommend with the Bible. We have several texts all line up showing that after death, it's over. We are waiting the second coming of Jesus if we died in Christ. And then we have one here that seems to, be, seems to say that once you die, you go straight to heaven, right? How do we understand that? Friends, first of all, first, it's not all, but first of all, Jesus himself was not in paradise that same day. What day did Jesus die, by the way? It was on the cross with that thief. That was Friday when he said to him that he was going to be in paradise. And uh, that was the day that Christ died. And then what happened in the next day? I'm sorry, I passed this slide. What happened in the next day on Sabbath? Christ was in the tomb. What day did Christ resurrect it? Sunday. Was Christ in paradise on Friday when he told uh, that thief that uh, today you're going to be with me in paradise? Was Christ there in paradise with him that very day? Yes or no? No. One time I heard somebody saying when I said that to him, the person said to me, but for Christ it doesn't really matter if he is in the tomb or if he is in heaven. It doesn't really matter. But that's not what Christ said. I want you to see what he said to Mary after the resurrection, when she tried to touch him. In John chapter 20, we are going to John chapter 20, and we are going to read verse, beginning verse 15. Notice what the Bible said. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? So she didn't know it was Jesus yet. Whom are you seeking? She's supposing him to be the, what everyone? The gardener. Said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away. And then the Bible says, Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. And then the Bible says, Jesus said to her, do not, what everyone, cling to me or touch me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. <laughs> Friends, you have to understand, when Jesus says something, you better believe him. He said he was not up in heaven even up to Sunday. He said, I had not ascended up to heaven. Why are we saying that doesn't really matter? For Christ seemed to matter. So Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brother and say to them, I am what, everyone? Ascending to my Father. That was Sunday. And your Father. And to my God and, and your God. So friends, Jesus himself did not ascend on Friday. How could he be with that thief on that very same day in paradise? How do we understand this? Friend, let me tell you, and this is just basic history. Basic history. Punctuation, what was the word I used? Punctuation is a modern science. It was not available in the days that the New Testament was written. You didn't find commas and question mark and exclamation mark and periods in the original manuscript. You just didn't find it. it was, this is a new science to use punctuation. And unfortunately, the translators of the Bible into the English language, they placed the common where they thought was the right place. But in this case, they made a mistake. And the reason they made a mistake was because for centuries, the church was teaching that the moment you die, you go to where? Either heaven or hell. And that was the reason they made a mistake. Notice carefully how that common should have been if... Punctuation was used in the days of the apostles, but it wasn't used, it wasn't there in the original text, but notice how the text should have read, or should be read to, today. 
And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, I'm going to tell you something today. Listen very carefully because I'm going to tell you a truth today. And what truth was that? That is in harmony with the whole of scriptures. You will be with me in paradise. When? It doesn't say. Jesus wasn't addressing when. He was just assuring him that he had given his life to Christ. And that he was going to be saved. Amen for that? And that aligns with all the texts that we have explored tonight. What did Jesus mean? We already saw, friends. But the reality is the resurrection of the dead will be in that day. When Christ comes, the rock, the stone, cut out without hands, will come in the last days, in our days. That will be the resurrection of morning. Friends, let's go to the book of 1 Thessalonians. I cannot you know, finish this message without taking you to that text. It's a very important text in the Bible. What book are we going tonight? First Thessalonians. Okay, First Thessalonians, and we're going to chapter 4. Amazing, just amazing. I wish we had time to read the whole chapter 4 here, but we're going to read only two verses, and we're going to start in verse 4. What verse are we starting? Verse 4. So we're reading First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. The Bible says here tonight, For the Lord himself, who is the Lord? Jesus Christ. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven. What event is that when Christ will descend from heaven? The second coming of Jesus. That's what we've been studying here. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And what happens at that occasion? The last day of this earth. And the dead in Christ will... Rise first. Friends, the resurrection of the dead will happen when Christ comes again in the last days. And that's in harmony with what Martha told Jesus. I know my brother will be resurrected in the resurrection of the last days. Okay, so notice carefully the next verse. So the dead in Christ, not any kind of dead person, but those that accepted Jesus. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then... We who are alive, those that will not experience death and remain, shall be what, everyone? Caught up together with them. Who are them here? Those that were resurrected, that had died in Christ, right? So when Christ comes, those that died in Christ are resurrected, and those who are alive are caught up together with them to do what, everyone? What does it say there? In the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And by the way, that's another sign for you to identify the true coming of Christ. He will not place his feet on the earth. We will meet the Lord where, everyone? In the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Amen for that? That's the promise we have in scriptures, friends. We have a promise that we are going to experience resurrection if we die in Christ. If we are alive at that day, friends, we are going to be caught up together with those that are resurrected. And perhaps... Some of us have lost a child, have lost, you know, a son or a daughter or a mother or a spouse. And the Bible is promising that in that day, God will restore those that we love back to us. That's the promise we have. That's the promise we have. Friends, what is the purpose of a resurrection at the second coming of Jesus if they are already enjoying heaven or somewhere else? 
That is in harmony with scriptures, friends. That is the morning, or I say the morning just as a figurative language. It will be a day of great light that Christ will come to give us eternal life conditionally because we have given our lives to him. Notice 1 Corinthians 15, 50, uh, 51 and 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all, what everyone? All sleep. Jesus is not talking about people having problems to sleep here. Okay, so now you already know what is the Bible saying when it says we shall not all sleep. We shall not all die. But we shall all be what if you want? Change. You know, some people take this passage and believe that the coming of Christ will be like in a twinkle of an eye. But this is talking about the transformation of the body. In a moment, in a twinkle of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet will sound. It will be, you know, we will hear the noise of the coming of Christ. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be, what if you want? Raised incorruptible. And we, those who do not die, shall be, what if you want? Change. And then in verse 55, the same chapter, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Verse 57, but thanks be to God who give us the victory over death in the context through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you want to experience victory over death? Christ is willing to give that to each one of us. Friends, perhaps tonight's presentation was kind of a, a, a big revelation for, some, for a lot of you perhaps. But I want to encourage you to stick with the Bible, to choose the Bible over traditions, over Greek philosophy, over paganism that has crept, uh, crept into the church, would you tonight, would you like to make a choice? And you don't need to raise your hands or anything like that, just between you and Christ. Would you like to make a choice to say, I'm tired. I'm tired of all kinds of theories and philosophies and, and, and doctrines, I want to stay with the Bible. If that's your desire, friends, as we pray together tonight, tell Jesus that. Jesus, I'm willing, even though it's challenging my worldview, I have never seen things like that and I have never heard, but I saw that the Bible says that and I want you to mold my life, guide my life, not according to what I have learned so far, but according to your word. If that's your desire, let's, play to, uh, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you again for your word that is a lamp to our feet. That bring understanding. You said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And Father, we want to be free from sin. We want to be free from the traditions of man. We want to be free from myth and from heresies. We want to allow the Holy Spirit to guide our lives according to your word. And Father, we give you permission tonight to do what we cannot do for ourselves, which is to give understanding and to transform our lives. For we pray in the precious name of Jesus, let everyone say, Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse 
a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio, and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.